This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We're broadcasting out of Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Happy birthday, 9-11. Congrats, 9-11. You made it through high school without being victim of a mass shooting. 18 years old today. Now, uh, be a good man and run to the store and buy me some smokes. Not vapes, though. We're going to start restricting that soon. I just feel like ev- every year the compulsion to make 9-11 jokes gets greater and greater. Because it really, and and maybe this is just an excuse, but it really does seem like we just totally haven't grappled with this huge thing yet. Like, we went to wars and that was a failure. And Trump is like the logical conclusion of the right wing response to 9-11 in many ways. And uh, it still sucks. So all we can do is sort of make jokes about it. Yeah, I think it would be nice if every 9-11, the government had to reprove its official 9-11 narrative story, like reprove that this is actually what (laughs) happened. Because following the events with Epstein, and there was just some research out of like the University of Alaska Fairbanks that came out earlier this week that was like, go on. Building seven could not have fallen by a fire. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hell yes. (laughs) Just saying, it'd be nice now that some separation has happened to revisit this with an open mind. Um, But I doubt that'll ever come. Instead, we're just going to get the Ari Fleischer point by point. Of what happened that day. I kept the on... 9-11 re- porn I, I every kept, day. I kept on replying today with uh, some rude tweets. And some, pe- some people were like, could you just knock it off for one day? Like, <laughs> Well, they were only remember- doing it today. I mean, it's 9-11 day. Of course. But like, do you remember like how it felt when you would act up as a kid on some important holiday? And your parents <laughs> would be like, just this one day. Just this one day. Can you behave? <laughs> That's what it yeah. felt like if you replied to Ari Fleischer. <laughs> yeah, I did get, uh, I, you know, went on a tweet storm this morning with all my 9-11 jokes and uh, my mom texted me about it, uh, saying that maybe I should think of the victims. Um, and she sort of has a point that, yes, people did die uh, in it, but their deaths have been completely overshadowed by the 9-11 porn that happens every single year. And I'm not referring to Ted Cruz liking porn. I'm referring to like the constant coverage and beating you over the head with it that's led to forever wars, the complete changing of our society. A lot of bad shit that is kind of just glossed over by our nostalgia over 9-11 and how we came together on 9-12 and bullshit like that. Yeah. The, that the, my jokes are aimed at that. Exactly. At puncturing that bubble. The the cynical use of 9-11 yeah. victims to ram through whatever dark right-wing agenda there was. That yeah. was... Uh, that speaking, sucked. <laughs> speaking of 9-11, the North Carolina... Uh, some, some Democrats in the North Carolina state legislature left work today to go to a 9-11 commemoration. And uh, it ended up costing them. This is why you should never commemorate 9-11. Republicans in the state legislature had promised there won't be any votes during the commemoration. That wasn't true. As soon as Democrats left, they held a vote to override a veto by the Democratic governor in that state on the budget in that state. Um, Most of the Democrats weren't present, so they were able to override the veto 
by tricking Democrats to not show up to work and instead go to a 9-11 commemoration ceremony. Great. Add it to the list. We have the harassment and abuse of uh, Muslim Americans and South Asian Americans. We have the Iraq War, Bush's reelection. What are some other things here? This. Yeah. (laughs) Rudy Giuliani still being in the news. As bad as things are in Congress and as much as Mitch McConnell has like destroyed the norms and institutions and as much as it seems like things are absolutely breaking down here in Washington, D.C., at a state level, it's looking a lot worse. I mean, just looking at what happened in North Carolina today reminds me of what went down in Oregon a few months ago where the Republicans there just sort of fled so that they wouldn't have to take any votes and shut down the Capitol. And they took refuge among like militias that threatened to kill the cops if the cops came to collect the Republican lawmakers. Shit is breaking down at a local level. Speaking of militias, prepare for militias of angry vapors. <laughs> They're coming. <laughs> They're coming. Uh, Today, the Trump administration announced that it is pulling flavored vapes off the shelves. Wow. So uh, no more flavored e-cigs. This is separate from the other story we noted about the FDA going after Juul for deceptive advertising. The screws are really tightening on vapors. And uh, this could be the first thing that Trump does to sort of lower his approval rating among Republicans. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's go after vapors, the scourge on society, all the people that are dying because of vaping. Let's not worry about opioids, prescription drugs, alcohol, that sort of stuff. I, th- I think the teens will also do non-flavored vape. I, th- I think they will. <laughs> I, I've, I'm not convinced this is going to stop teen vaping, but we'll see, I guess. Newscast coming up momentarily. Just a reminder, subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash District Sentinel. Help support our news co-op here in D.C. Five bucks a month. You get access to all the content we put out, including tomorrow's Garbage Can Show. We're doing the Garbage Can Show on Thursday this week. Uh, If you subscribe now, you can get your Garbage Can and Honor Can nominees in. See if anyone can beat Nira Tandon this week. I think Amy Therese cited our garbage can segment as uh, cancel culture gone wrong. Really? <laughs> yeah. in, in her latest fighting uh, with me, that in which be, I uh, repeatedly owned I her. have unfortunately been blocked by Amy Therese. I so. haven't checked. I hope that I have because I just don't want to see her tweets anymore. I please don't. I, I shouldn't have fought with her on Monday for that reason, but... Honestly, she's a grifter. She needs to be uh, uh, confronted from time to time. Yeah, yeah. But yes, the garbage can has been uh, bought by big cancel. (laughs) The cancel industry has just totally run roughshod over our journalistic integrity. Yeah. We uh, are your number one source for cancel culture. Subscribe now on patreon.com slash district sentinel so you can find out who's been canceled. (laughs) Find out who the latest person to be canceled is when we throw them in a garbage can on tomorrow's show. Like nine out of ten times, it's just Senate Democrats yeah. anyway. So I don't, I don't see what the big fuss is here. I think Amy's been nominated one time, and nobody cared enough about. No her one cared enough. Yeah, we please try not to nominate her this week because we just don't. I don't really feel like talking about her anymore. <laughs>
All right, it's Wednesday, September 11th, 2019. Here's the news. The Justice Department is facing an intriguing disclosure deadline tomorrow in a lawsuit involving the 9-11 attacks and the Saudi government. Top agency officials are deliberating whether to release an identity or invoke state secrets privileges to keep the name hidden. Lawyers for the plaintiffs want the government to lift redactions on a 2012 FBI document, as the Associated Press reported. The records outline aid given to two of the 9-11 hijackers by men in Southern California. The legal theory here is that some of the redactions obscure a name belonging to a Saudi official. The lawsuit was initially filed in 2003, as the AP noted. Plaintiffs, 9-11 victims obviously, allege that more evidence has come to light since a special congressional commission absolved the Saudi government of direct blame. Also, there is a formerly redacted chapter of the report, released in 2016, which details ties between Saudi officialdom and the hijackers. It raises questions about the integrity of the commission itself, like that time the CIA inspector general found that the agency did nothing wrong in a report detailing how the agency protected coke dealers. But even in the dance to exonerate the Saudis, the 9-11 Commission still found, quote, the likelihood of involvement by Saudi government-sponsored charities. Fifteen of the 19 hijackers, of course, were also Saudi nationals. Again, this is why the government should have to reprove its 9-11 case every year. Now that these pages have been public, it's pretty obvious that the official narrative is garbage. Well, I guess we'll get a, a taste of that tomorrow, maybe. Who knows? We'll see. The disclosure deadline had initially been slated for last Friday. The district judge overseeing the case in New York granted an extension for 9-12, a.k.a. tomorrow. The U.S. attorney in Manhattan made the request, quote, because the FBI's response to the motion is being coordinated at the highest levels of the Department of Justice and additional time is needed to finalize the FBI's submission and the scope of the privilege assertions, end of quote. In other words, uh, don't expect anything too juicy to be revealed although maybe because Trump might want to embarrass Bob Mueller. In not totally unrelated news, Saudi Arabia's massive state oil company is getting ready to raise money on private financial markets. Saudi Aramco is planning to float 1% of its shares later this year on Riyadh's stock exchange. Reuters reported the news on Monday, citing inside sources. The news service said the deal could end up being the world's largest IPO at $20 billion, in a development that would confirm Aramco's worth at $2 trillion. The shares are set to be marketed to international investors. A final list of banks helping prepare the IPO is set to be announced soon. U.S. banks likely to be involved include J.P. Morgan, Morgan Stanley, Citigroup, and Goldman Sachs. And we wonder why Saudi's role in 9-11 has been <laughs> diminished. Moving on. Friends, on this 9-11, it's also important to remember other victims— the victims of union violence. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday, Republican Congressman Francis Rooney introduced H.R. 4256 titled the Freedom from Union Violence Act. Of, of course, a guy who sounds like a fucking old timey billy swinging Irish cop is going to be <laughs> introducing this law. Yes, yes, this is real. We used to do a segment, and we should probably bring it back on the show, in which we read some of the worst emails we got in our inbox from Pistown ship merchants. Well, this morning, I got an email notifying me that the 2.8 million member National Right to Work Committee... Guilty. Yes, guilty, was lobbying the U.S. House to pass this ridiculous bill. The organization claims that, quote, 
Thousands of acts of union violence, much of which is directed against non-striking workers, goes unpunished. <laughs> goes on to say that one recent example of such union-sanctioned violence occurred in Boston as union operatives targeted the cast and crew of the popular reality cooking show Top Chef <laughs> with harassment, violence, intimidation, and derogatory threats. Violence doing a lot of work here. Um, this happened back in 2014. Some car tires were slashed. And apparently one of the celebrity hosts on the show was threatened by some members of the Teamsters. Allegedly. Yeah. He's probably like, oh, no, a poor person looked at me. Uh, yeah. A federal judge later found it was actually Padma, the the female uh, celebrity judge, Padma Lashkum or something. Anyways, federal judge later found those Teamster members not guilty of extortion and conspiracy in the case. The workers were found to be in compliance with protected union organizing activities. So this legislation takes aim at a... This Supreme is violence! <laughs> this legislation takes aim at a Supreme Court case, United States versus Emmons, which found that blocking interstate commerce as part of a labor strike is not grounds to charge labor unions under anti-racketeering laws. The ruling took a major union-busting tool off the table, and the bosses have been mad ever since. Similar legislation has been introduced during uh, every Congress, dating back to 1995, the National Right to Work Committee claims there have been 100,000 or more acts of union violence since the Supreme Court ruling. Buddy, I wish. It's, uh, it's hard to prosecute cases of anti-union violence because the perpetrators are almost always wearing a badge. Yeah, true. <laughs> but uh, by all means, please continue to worry that Antifa means that the left will be called violent by the right. Without Antifa, there's nothing the right would do to call the left violent. Never. <laughs> Top White House and cabinet officials allegedly threatened to fire anyone who corrected President Trump's now infamous bad forecast on Hurricane Dorian hitting Alabama. The White House is run <laughs> like, uh, like Trump is a small business tyrant. <laughs> the New York Times reported today that White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney was involved. No shocker there. The Washington Post reported shortly after that the orders came from Trump himself. According to the Times, Mulvaney told Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross to, quote, have the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration publicly disavow the forecaster's position that Alabama was not at risk, end of quote. The Post reported that Mulvaney did not actually order Ross to threaten to fire anyone. NOAA, a branch of the Commerce Department, had issued a statement last Friday backing up the president's warning, overriding the analysis from NOAA's Birmingham, Alabama field office, which had tweeted, quote, Alabama will not see any impacts from Dorian. We repeat, no impacts from Hurricane Dorian will be felt across Alabama. This was immediately after the president had tweeted that Alabama would be hit harder than expected. The dispute most famously played itself out when President Trump displayed a map of the forecasted areas with a Sharpie adding parts of Alabama to the region in danger House Democrats have launched an investigation into the matter. So are the Commerce Department Inspector General and NOAA's chief acting scientist, according to the Post. Dorian never made landfall in Alabama, never even made landfall in Florida. The storm did hit North Carolina's Outer Banks and also briefly swept through Atlantic Canada on its way out to sea. The Bahamas, of course, were not spared by Dorian. The island nation was lashed incredibly hard by the storm over the course of 48 hours. 45 people were killed, 70,000 were left homeless, thousands of Bahamians are still missing, according to CBS News. 
Despite this, the Trump administration refused to allow entry to 130 Bahamians who tried to enter the U.S. via ship at the end of last weekend. The Independent noted that people from the Bahamas are normally allowed to enter the U.S. by plane without a visa if they provide certain basic documentation, as the passengers were told. U.S. Customs officials blamed the lack of entry on the cruise liner company Bellaria, alleging a lack of coordination on their part, according to CNN. But after the denial, President Trump launched into a bigoted attack on the Bahamas, saying the country is full of, quote, very bad gang members. Same old shit. Finally, today, there's news leaking out of a federal antitrust probe into Amazon. Bloomberg News reported of interviews conducted by the Federal Trade Commission with retailers who use Amazon's platform. The inquiries are to determine just how much retail business is conducted on Amazon versus other online retailers like Walmart. Bloomberg described the interviews as indications that the agency is, quote, in the early stages of a sweeping probe to learn how Amazon works, spot practices that break the law, and identify markets dominated by the company, end quote. Amazon alone accounts for nearly 40% of the online shopping market, but they would rather you think of them as a simple retailer where they only account for about 4% of the market. Toymaker reportedly told FTC investigators, though, that 98% of his sales come from Amazon, while only 2% are from Walmart and eBay. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin had suggested earlier this year that Amazon should be looked into. And yes, some of this may have to do with the fact that Donald Trump hates the Washington Post, which is owned by Jeff Bezos, who also owns Amazon. But Amazon is too big. It's even the subject of an antitrust probe across the pond by European Union regulators. And Amazon is one of many companies that are too big. State attorneys general have recently launched an antitrust probe into Google. So too has the Justice Department. The FTC, meanwhile, has also been probing Facebook for potential monopolistic activities. Extremely looking forward to when uh, Bernie Sanders is asked about antitrust uh, investigations into Amazon and he says they're good. And then a million bow tie, spinning bow tie dipshits scream, Bernie is just like Trump. Yeah. Libs are already going to start doing it probably during the primary. If Bernie pledges to take on Amazon, they'll just be like, oh, is this more of your extension against Washington Post negative coverage of you? I just subscribed for a double Amazon Prime account to really stick it to the far left and the far right that are going after this innovative company. That's the newscast for today. Before we go, we have some poetry to read to our new subscribers on Patreon, patreon.com slash District Sentinel. This is for Noah. Tremendous success. The pizza guy is on time. So is my heartburn. Thank you, Noah. This goes out to Patrick. Inside his mansion, a prostrate Glenn Kessler cries, My Pinocchio! (laughs) Thank you, Patrick. Finally, this is for Andy B. Trump comes for his own. Finally, some treachery. Vape 911. (laughs) Thank you, Andy B. Thank you to all the new subscribers on Patreon. Patreon.com slash District Sentinel. Kind of wish I had ended that with Night of the Long Vapes. Mm. That would have been good too. That's it for the show. Subscribers, tune in tomorrow for the Garbage Can, where we cancel someone. (laughs) 
<laughs> Everyone else, we will be back next week. We're in DC, so you don't have to be. <laughs> <laughs>